1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. The president has recently woken up from hibernating, at least according to him. I'm pretty sure you tell me what he said. Let's start with uh, audio from President Biden. And for some reason, a joke or a half joke or I don't know what it is about hibernating. Here we go. We made this clean energy investment. Siemens Corporation laid off workers who were making wind turbine parts and put the plant in Iowa and Kansas into what they now call, uh, they refer to as hibernation. I hibernated in Hawaii. What? Iowa for a while. But... <laughs> I'm sorry, I love, like, the audience is like, huh? They didn't, he had no idea. I hibernated a while. It sounds like what he said, or maybe I haven't hibernated. I don't know. Let's get back. Let's try it one more time. I take two on Biden. The plant in Iowa and Kansas into what they now call, uh, they refer to as hibernation. Uh-huh. I hibernated in a while. Oh, oh, no. I, people actually groaned like, oh, no. Why did he say that? Uh, yeah, he hibernated for, he might still be hibernating. People would make that argument. Uh, he also said this uh, today, and I would love for you to tell me what this is. The problem was too many people are working. Or working people are working, making too much money. That's not the problem. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, I really love that one too. Uh, the problem is too many people have jobs, or the jobs they have are paying them too good. Wait a minute, that's not. Is that the problem? I don't know what the problem is. I feel like this is the moment where an SNL bit would cut to somebody else being like, "How am I losing to this guy? How, how does this guy win anything?" Here we go. The problem was too many people are working. Too many. Or working people are working, making too much money. That's not the problem. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's that's fun. I like that one a lot, too. But, yeah, that's our president. He's the guy in charge of stuff. Uh, that seems good for all of us, right? No one's worried. All right, fine. I have one more. Uh, this is a callback. This is a couple years ago. I think this is April of 2021 when Proterra, uh, the company that was going to make all the fancy electric buses uh, that our vice president was very excited to charge her phone on, um, that's when they were rolling everything out, announcing it, uh, got a big, giant um, a boost by the Biden administration, giving them a whole bunch of exposure, and they have declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy as of just the other day. It didn't work out so well, but here, let's hear what they expected back in 2021. Once we get customer sign-off, the buses are ready to ship and ready to go. I'll be darned. I'll be darned. Let me ask you, the uh, when you start making a 1,000 buses a year, what are you gonna, you're going to need more room for your customers, aren't you? <laughs> What? Yes, sir. You're going to need more room for your customers. Huh? I don't understand that. But also, no, they are now uh, in bankruptcy, so they will not need more room for any of their customers. That that guy is in charge of our country. Uh, I'll just say that one more time and then I'll move on because otherwise we'll get sad. Uh, I do want to play this. And actually, this is kind of at the heart of why our president was speaking today. Uh, he is trying to tout Bidenomics. He's trying to tell you no matter what you think, and the polls say a whole lot of you uh, think that the economy is not doing well, uh, that you're not doing well, that things are difficult, that things are still expensive, inflation is still bad, even if it's gone down. All of these things are the things that you feel, that I feel, that people feel, and Biden seems to be utterly unaware of that, or his team does, and even CNN seems to get this. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre is doing a, a press tour uh, right now, the White House press secretary, and she was asked by CNN why tie Biden's name to the economy, because it could fail, it could it could tank, and a lot of people kind of expect things to get worse, not better, over the next couple of years. And also, just in general, again, people don't really buy into what you're selling. So why 
why do this is the question. And the answer is, well, as terrible as you expect. Let me ask you about something here that the branding, you just use the word, we have it on screen, Bidenomics. Um, We know the polls show that people are pretty sour, at least half American people are sour on the economy. Isn't that just dangerous getting closer to the election if things take a downturn? Yes, it is dangerous. It is bad. It is not the thing you should um, market your uh, campaign on. It's not the thing you should lean on. But they ha- he has nothing else. And I-, I don't say that as a guy that's trying to be utterly biased on the radio, even though I'll be accused of being it. You tell me what are the things Biden should be running on uh, right now as far as tr- giant successes he's had. He was asked a question I'll get to later on in the show about solar energy, about you know, uh, converting uh, people to electric vehicles. And the question was very simple. That stuff's all really expensive. Uh, How are you going to actually get Americans to do it? Not many are doing it. And his answer was also out of touch as tax credits. That's that's pretty much all he said. But here is Corinne Jean-Pierre's answer to Bidenomics and why it's good that the president is tied to it. Well, here's the thing. Bidenomics is indeed working when when we say that you look at the data, right? <laughs> when cost, we tell you it's cost working. Cost is going down, right? Uh-huh. We think about inflation. When you think about... We sent costs up, but now they're going down, so that's good for us. We're talking about that Think now. about wages going up. That is binomics. Look, the president has always believed, <laughs> not just as president, but as mm-hmm. vice president, yeah, yeah. as a senator, right. that we need to build an economy no, no, here that we go. is building from the bottom up, middle out, right? We need to make sure we... Yeah, yeah, he's, he he's probably... Yep, middle that, class I figured I figured you're going to mention he came from a middle class background. He understands it better. There's no food on the table at times, and he gets that better than anybody else. None of that helps. None of that answers the question. I feel like at times uh, this president would be the kind of person that you would go to and ask for actual help from, and he would sit you down and tell you a story that has nothing to do with anything you asked him about, and he'd provide you no additional help. He'd pat you on the head and he'd send you on your way. That's the version of person we have, and he's hoping that works for the American people, that everyone says, oh, yeah, no, I'm doing better, not because I see it in my bank account or in the cost of anything, but because I was told so uh, the other night when I was watching CNN. And actually, I want to demonstrate Uh, Just before I take a break here, how bad things seem to be a whole lot of places. This is uh, marketed as a local news feel-good story. A diner owner who is battling the costs of food and other things to run his restaurant has decided to start turning his bacon grease into soap, soap that he is selling because his grandma used to do it. Things are great. The economy is crushing it when you have restaurant uh, owners turning their bacon grease into soap and hoping that provides the boost they need to keep their doors open. Well, this is actually something my great-grandmother did when we were growing up. Um, She'd collect all her bacon grease and make soap out of it. It kind of just popped in my mind. You know, we're frying off so much bacon every day. I see all that grease. And I just experimented. I called my grandfather, and he walked me through the recipe, and I came up with something I really liked. We collect all the bacon grease. I clean it really well till it's just, like, pure odorless lard. So you just mix it with water. And all uh-huh. like the crud, the odor, everything you don't want gets caught in the water. <laughs> right. And you just left with this lard on top that you cool and you scrape off. Wow, he's selling it so well to me, to you, to everybody probably. You get all the crud, all the bad stuff out after cooking all the bacon in the restaurant all day. And then you got a beautiful uh, bar of lard. <laughs> That you can clean yourself with as much as you need, whatever you need, and this is great. And the economy is going great. I'm selling soap and also selling bacon uh, for anyone that wants to come by the old restaurant. I'm not even uh, totally crapping on this. If there are people out there, listeners, who've made their own soap before, I applaud you. I'm sure there's there's some benefit to it. But that's not a sign the economy is doing amazing when this is a feel-good story on a local news uh, station out on the East Coast. Uh, But anyway, I'll take a break. Uh, A lot to get to. I have audio of... 
uh, a former USA soccer player uh, who said that one of the biggest problems with the United States soccer team is entitlement. And the way she described it was pretty interesting. So we'll get to that. And we'll also get to that chant I was talking about out of Camden Yards, uh, which I, I really enjoyed. Uh, not because I'm a fan of the Orioles, I'm a Yankee fan, but because they suspended a broadcaster for a really dumb reason, and now the fans are starting to respond, and that is good. That demonstrates that broadcasters' jobs matter, at least some broadcasters' jobs matter to people, so it makes me very happy uh, today, I guess. So that's coming up in a bit, 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Let's do a couple quick sports things. First, uh, a former USA soccer player, uh, Carly Lloyd, said that the team is entitled. Uh, She did an interview, and she said one of the biggest issues uh, that she thinks caused this team to drop out earlier in the World Cup than any U.S. women's team has ever dropped out. Uh, Essentially, the rest of the world has caught up to the talent level or whatever the dominance was that might have existed at one point in soccer for women. And I know a lot of people don't pay close attention to this, even if we uh, have been talking about it the last couple of days. I don't watch uh, much soccer. I didn't watch soccer even when they were very good. So I don't know if I'm a really valuable person to talk about, um, you know, soccer itself and whether we're, we're going to be good again in a few. I don't know. Uh, but I will say that this is really intriguing because it would make sense that a team's hunger, a team's desire to win, uh, a team that uh, is polarizing to a lot of people uh, winds up failing. And so here's what Carly said. There's a level of, I guess, not everybody, but there's a level of just kind of the entitlement of everybody's going to do everything for you and just not being respectful of others. And I think that that starts at the top. And that should be the coach and that should be the leader. And then it should funnel on down to the the players. Yeah, you say whatever you want. You don't care if you say things that are supportive uh, about the country. You crap all over it. Uh, You then, I guess, crap on people is what she's saying. And she went on to say that you do things like you have uh, team trainers and and support staff that you just stand up when they're expecting you to show up places. You leave crap all over uh, that you expect uh, staff to to pick up after you. Uh, You essentially just act like big giant babies and then you think everything's going to be great. And so it sounds like whatever the team used to be, uh, what they are right now, or at least what they were very recently, according to an ex-player, uh, is something that is not at all uh, a recipe for success and certainly not a recipe for a whole lot of uh, support in the United States by anybody that doesn't like the criticisms that are thrown out. Just the, the fact that, that the platform is used not to escape a lot of the conversations of the day, but to kind of force more of them. Uh, I think that sports has always been amazing. And I'll continue to say it, no matter what the sports are you love to play or watch, because they are an escape, because they are a way to get away and to just appreciate the talent of somebody who plays something that you may have tried to play and you're nowhere near as good at it. Uh, That's that's what the magic is, and that magic feels more and more gone. And then people are just jerks, apparently, according to her. I want to play this. Uh, This is awesome to me. Uh, This actually... Even though it's the Orioles, even though it's, you know, a team that's doing way better than the Yankees this year, um, there's something about the fans caring enough uh, about a broadcaster to chant during a game, bring this broadcaster back, that made me very happy today. So here, I want to play a little bit of this. Run. Made it look easy. Good athletes can do that, Diego. You yeah. did If you can't understand what the crowd is saying, by the way, it is free Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown is a broadcaster for the Orioles who's been suspended uh, for at least a few weeks now 
because he said something before a game that was true, that the Orioles had not done well against the Rays for quite some time. A little bit more. I, I think that's one of the best defensive plays in the game of baseball. But going over the wall and going over making the wall, a pitcher happy? Yes. I love the fact that the broadcasters also can't address it because they'd get fired too, uh, I assume. But it's just kept going. It happened a couple times during the game last night uh, between the Orioles and the Astros. So maybe there were more eyeballs on it because it's a good team. Sadly, the Astros are a good team that they were playing. I don't know. Uh, but I just really enjoyed the fact that it got to the fans. It's not just broadcasters who are complaining about unfair treatment of a broadcaster. It's now the people showing up at the games. I don't know if it'll matter to anyone within the Orioles organization. I don't think they'll make any changes. And it is, like, really petty and stupid, uh, that world that they live in. It actually sounds a little bit like what I'm talking about with the the women's soccer team and just becoming something or or thinking you're something that's above, like, human decency rules. Uh, In both of those situations, uh, the people at the top of the Orioles think that they can, well, and they can, they do own the organization. They, they can do whatever they want. No one will care. I'm glad that people are caring in this situation. All right, some other stuff out there that I saw. I thought this was pretty interesting. A woman by the name of Susie, who is 38 years old, was recently fired by an insurance company in Australia. You probably don't care about that. Hold on. Uh, let me get to why I think it's interesting. So she's a work from home person, and she's been working from home for a while. She had a performance review at some point, and they really doubted that she was doing much work or any work at home. So they put a tracker on her keystrokes of her work computer to see how much, not like exactly all the things she was doing, although I think it it did provide that, but just see that she was even using the computer. And so they did that for 49 workdays. They found that on 47 of the workdays, she showed up late. So she was punched in and didn't start working. 29 of the workdays, she left early. So she was um, still on the clock and just bouncing. And then finally, and this is my favorite one, four workdays, she did zero things. She she was on the clock getting paid, uh, punched in, punched out, and four days of nothing, of an absolute, of not even touching a keyboard. Like the confidence that you have to have to work from home and not even check your email to see if anybody's paying attention to you is ridiculous. She's fired. Uh, she got very fired. Uh, she has now complained to uh, news, I guess, out there, and the Daily Mail had this story as well, that she's unhirable, that because of the, the you know, virality or the, the viralness of her story, uh, she doesn't think that anyone else will take a chance on her because she was so egregiously cheated, uh, her last employer, and she's probably right about that. She says that's wrong, but I mean... I, I don't know. Four days of nothing. I, I can't get over that. Like a part of me, there was a, a hat tip of respect uh, just thinking that she was so confident in her ability to keep a job and not do any work that she could just not touch the computer at all. Um, but, yeah, this is this is her problem. She says it's embarrassing. She's upset. Um, she's mad at herself. Uh, that's what happens when you get caught. And I guess she had been reprimanded before. So that didn't work. Uh, nothing the employer was doing for a few months worked. So they decided to monitor uh, between October and December of last year, and then uh, that's a firing. Uh, that's, that's not going to work out well for you. But again, I just love the fact that she's in the news complaining, that she's somehow being treated unfairly. I think that employer could ask for a whole lot of the money they paid you back, and uh, I think they'd have support from a lot of people. All right, quick break. Will's got the news. After the news, I do want to talk a little bit more about some of the things that our president has been saying. Uh, but I actually will also um, uh, check in with friend of the show, Dan Lloyd, unofficial producer Dan, I call him. Uh, he's going to start stopping by for a segment every Wednesday, and I think that he wants to talk quite a bit about college sports and about some adjustments uh, going on in the world of the power conferences, well, or lack thereof. Uh, one conference is now 
a joke. But we'll get to all that in just a bit. Uh, Will's got you covered. Uh, we have an app, uh, the WMBD Radio. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I'm going to do this once a week now. Check in with unofficial producer Dan uh, Dan Lloyd. How are you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing, Craig? Pretty good. Glad to have you here. Lots of stuff. It's as Wednesday. I say, to talk. It's Wednesday. Uh, lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about. But you came in. Uh, you have worked within college athletics. I won't get into any more details about it. Uh, but you came in kind of concerned, or, or you wanted to talk about some of these realignments going on. Uh, I think it's it's just a travesty. I think that any president of any university or athletic director of any of these schools that has jumped ship that sits at a press conference and says these are student athletes is completely ridiculous they are not student <laughs> athletes they are commodities uh-huh. this is now professional athletics right i mean for, let's be honest football is going to fly first class from coast to coast but these smaller athletes in terms of in terms of uh non-revenue sports are going to be going coast to coast, and you think their tutors are going to go with them? You think they're going to be missing class? Yes, they're going to be missing class. I got you. Okay. Well, so first and foremost, for anyone that doesn't understand where this is kind of coming from, the Pac-12 has been decimated. To four. Yeah, it used to be a very, very good uh, conference of of teams. Uh, Now it is um, kind of laughable and probably even going to be more laughable for a while, uh, which means that there's only really a few power conferences in the world of college sports now. Um, and you see that continuing to consolidate because the athlete can make money on his own or her own now, and the school can do some different things. So really it's going to be a, a very small group, say, of, of conferences that have all of the talent. Well, you have Cal and Stanford now that are just sitting there and have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. They're, they're, they are the feeder system technically for all our Olympic sports. So those Olympic sports are going to take a big hit if these football programs can't find a conference to go with. The big I t- heard the ACC was thinking about taking Stanford. Well, which is nuts. I mean, we're not talking ACC anymore. We might as well just be talking the coasts. And they might <laughs> sure. as well be majoring in uh, frequent flyer miles because that's what it's going to be. Okay, let's fair be enough. honest here. Yeah, and enough. the Big Ten is about two away from being the Big 20, mm-hmm. and the Big 12 is about the Big 16, yeah. and it's about filling pockets of these schools that claim they're not making money, but no, they, they don't are want making to make any money. They've never wanted to make any money. You know, I've never been upset that the college athlete can now make money, though. Like, that's a part I'm happy about. They should be able to monetize. It is weird that some of the most successful college athletes now are, like, female gymnasts who have tremendous followings on social media uh, because they're attractive uh, young people, uh, kind of like anyone else who's essentially a successful social media influencer. It is weird that there's millions of dollars in some sports there probably used to not be that much money in. Uh, but I'll say beyond that, uh, I do agree with you that having a competitive balance within all of, of college sports has been a, a really fun part of college sports that doesn't exist a lot of other places. Well, and, and you're looking at a situation now where the Pac-12 died because of streaming, that they looked at it and Apple was going to stream their games, mm-hmm. and they're looking at a situation. Now, Now I know you're a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, independent. And Notre Dame just sits there. They do, independent. Now, which would be interesting, I think. Now, don't say it, that Notre Dame has to join. No, I don't think they should. Okay. I think what should happen for Notre Dame is mm-hmm. they should start their own streaming service and subscription service. You don't sure. think there's 10 million Notre oh, Dame sure. fans that would oh, pay 10 Ten dollars. I mean, month? that's NBC would probably be involved in some sort of streaming service with Notre Dame. One hundred percent. I assume just because they have the rights to all the home games. So yeah, I would I would probably buy into that. To be honest with you, uh, if I'm somewhere, I love MLB TV. I love it. And so getting a version of that for uh, college football 
uh, makes sense too. I don't know why we wouldn't see more schools go independent as well. I don't really understand. I don't think they can stand on their own. Yeah. I think that's the issue. I okay. think you have but to if have they brand. Keep, if they keep bringing in athletes, if you say that it becomes a commodity thing and that uh, certain schools wind up attracting all the talent, could they eventually stand on their own? Could there be some schools? I mean, that- possibly. But you, the thing that I feel bad for is, is like I said, non-revenue sports right now. Mm-hmm. You have kids who are now jumping ship because of the portal. And yeah. don't even get me started on the portal. The portal is <laughs> the biggest joke known to man. I'm not happy. I'm going to leave. Explain, I'm not happy. Explain the portal. Because, like, Bradley kids have entered the portal and stuff. Explain the portal. Basically, the, the old rule was is that if you wanted to leave, which uh, you would have to sit out a year uh, where you went. Mm -hmm. And there were some reasons for that not being a great system because a coach leaves, you came to play for that coach, you shouldn't be penalized. But now the idea of I'm not happy about this, I'm not happy about that, I can jump ship and leave, it's created a mess. Mm -hmm. And it's created the situation of I'm not happy, I'm leaving, and one little thing goes wrong, yeah. and I'm going to blame it on this. How hard does it make it for schools, and I know you've never been tied to this, this universe specifically, like Bradley to compete in some of these sports, Bradley to compete in basketball in a world where these sort of things are changing like I this. think those mid-majors are going to really take a hit. And gotcha. I think that's the, the challenge is the money comes from, uh, for Bradley, it's basketball. You know, yeah. let's be honest, it's to get to the NC2A tournament. That's sure. when you're going to make a bigger jump. Sure. Now they have to kind of take the scraps of everybody else mm-hmm. and kind of make and piece together a roster. What I feel bad for is a coach trying to build a formula of cohesiveness over four years. It doesn't happen because yeah. you have no clue from one year to the next when you hit March, did I not play that kid enough? Did mm-hmm. this not happen enough? Mm-hmm. And that person leaves. Yeah. And so that's why the quality of, in my opinion, of March Madness has been trickled down and filtered down yeah. into what it is now. Sure. I understand. I, I agree with you on that, too, although March Madness is still something that's must-watch to a whole lot of uh, sports fans just because of the ridiculousness of 68 teams in a you know tournament in general. Um, I don't know that the competitive element – do you think a lot of fans – this is how I want to say this. Do you think a lot of fans will notice uh, the difference in, in skill set um, as these players move into these certain power conferences? Do you, do you think that's going to be as apparent to the everyday fan? I don't know if it's going to be as apparent. I think that the key is is they, they want great marquee matchups sure. starting at the beginning at 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and finishing at midnight, and that goes coast to coast. The problem with the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 was the Pac-12 at dusk, and that was when they played their games, which <laughs> no one saw unless no. you were on the West Coast. Right. So that's why you've gone and poached these away. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting one that still sits out there is Florida State and Clemson. I sure. think they will probably end up going to the Big Ten, and now you have created a media market frenzy. What is going to eventually come, in my opinion, is watered down in terms of these conferences are going to go away, and you will just have a professional feel of East and West. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand. You're saying that that would be a much worse thing in the world of college sports. Well, than we've gotten out of the idea of educating kids. Let's just be honest. Sure. They, 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 we have now said you are not – you are a professional. You are now a You're professional. An You're an athlete. You'll be an athlete. Yep. You're an athlete. We're going to sell you as and an we're athlete. We're going to sell you as an athlete, and we're going to sell everything around that. Mm-hmm. And then when your time has come to just leave, to go on to professional sports or wherever it is you're going or make money on social media, however you make it, that's that's up to you. There's nothing to do with the college anymore. That's interesting, man. I don't know what else to say to that other than um, I, I know there have been a lot of hot takes. I think the, the hypocrisy of – I saw an an AD make the statement that these are student athletes. I don't know how he could look in the camera and say that they're student <laughs> you're athletes. Yeah, you're very upset about this topic. Yes. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, it's, it's fine, man. I, I take it. I'll take the energy. I'll run with it. Um, yeah, they're just athletes. 
Uh, but didn't that happen? Uh, I'll just say this because I was going to move on, but now I can't. Uh, didn't that happen the minute that they could make money off themselves? 100%. Didn't they just become professionals? 100%. And that was fair. We, you shouldn't continue to not let the athlete themselves make money because the, the universities and the, the conferences were raking in ridiculous amounts of money off of these kids without the kids getting a cut at all. So I think the kids getting money is a good thing. I think it has probably turned a lot of those kids into people who think that they're a professional the minute their social media page The challenge up. that you're going to have is most of these universities that are mid-major cannot keep up with the money that's funneling into these programs. If you sure. look at some of these facilities that these – I mean, they have – they're like the Pentagon. They have like a staff of 27 people for a basketball team of 14 guys, yeah. and they have a practice facility that's like Taj Mahal, mm-hmm. which probably is better than any b- building on campus. Yeah. And these football facilities the same way. They're building $25, $30 million football facilities. The kids want status. Yeah. the kid. Oh, of course they do. I, that's all uh, most kids, I, and I'm not trying to judge all. I'm sure there's some that are the exception to the rule, but I talk about it as a millennial all the time. Like, being raised on social media, the number one thing a kid wants to be when they grow up today is an influencer. That's the number one answer given. That's, that's a scary thing in a lot of ways. All right. Some other stuff out there. I just want to move on quickly. Uh, a couple other things. I saw this. I don't know if you're going to like this. I don't know how you're going to feel about this, Dan unofficial producer, friend of the show. Uh, there is a couple that lives on a cruise ship because they said it's cheaper than renting a house. Ridiculous. Now, of any kind. So they Ridiculous. Live there, <laughs> they live there year-round. Uh, it's $100 a night. They said the total cost for them is the cheapest they can find, and they also probably love their experience, uh, slash they, they are party. I don't know. They, they sound like very pretty hard partiers. As far as the, the name of the, the two, they're the Burks, and they're both in their 50s. Well, I would guess that the size of that cruise ship room <laughs> – <laughs> would probably be what a apartment in New York yeah. would be. You right, know? yeah, yeah, right. Because you can definitely get a cheaper place some places. Right. Not a cheaper place all the places. I just don't know if I'd want to live with yeah. cruise ship people 24-7. Yeah, yes. yeah. Mostly, I don't know about that. Mostly the other tourists and people or even like everybody else that's... <laughs> just everybody else. <laughs> the whole The whole the thing. Whole thing. <laughs> You know, I had a buddy that did Second City, and they used to do these cruise ships that were three and four months, and he would come back and say that the experience was unique. That it, have you ever been on one? I have not. Okay. I have no desire to. <laughs> Why not? Well, I'm, I'm just a little bit about the fact that I have to sit at a table with certain people. I don't have that freedom to do what I want on sure. a vacation. Yeah. That concerns me. Yeah. And then You I'll get s- stuck with one bad person, that ruins the whole thing. You're right. And the fact that it's like going to be a several-day thing, it's like uh, a elongated version of being stuck in an elevator with someone you find out you don't like. This is days, days of this. And I'll tell you the other one that really scares me, because yeah. I'm a person that always has to be early. Okay. Missing the boat at the port, mm-hmm. and you see those people running back, yeah. that terrifies me. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned it, and I just thought of it. I missed a wedding recently because I missed a boat. I don't want to go into any more detail on it, but it was <laughs> it was rough, and I still feel bad. And if those people are listening at all, I'm tremendously sorry. And Betty is still giving me crap about it, so I'm definitely – I'm so sorry. But that was rough, man, because the minute you miss something that's that's leaving, like you can't fix it. I was standing there like there's you no way. You could have made a dramatic entrance, I though. Sh- I should have dove into the water. You should right. have done something. <laughs> Got a little dinghy taking it up there. Uh, okay. I'm going to end this segment on the dinghy. Uh, thanks so much, Dan. <laughs> Everything. It's great to see you, Craig. For hanging out. Great to see you, too. Uh, this is going to be a regular thing. Yeah. We'll hear Have a you great rest cool. of the week. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. 1470. 
100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Holland Show. I talked about the uh, thing that happened in Montgomery, I feel like maybe two days ago, or maybe it just was yesterday, uh, but it was in my top five at five. I said that it's it's a story that is being uh, painted as one that has a bunch of, of racial components to it, and yet there there was no way to know that uh, as early as a lot of news seemed to know that. There is a story out today that one witness who was there in Montgomery uh, during the riverboat brawl. And if you don't know what that was, uh, just real quickly setting the table, um, a, a group of people that were white, and I think mostly men, were on a boat and they got off, and I think it was a pontoon boat, and they put it in a certain area. And then a much bigger uh, boat, uh, a riverboat, uh, came down and was supposed to park in that area. So an employee from the riverboat seemed to get off and try to move the pontoon boat uh, down the water um, because they were in the wrong spot. And then a fight broke out, and the um, the worker, the uh, dock worker, is black. And then a lot of the people that were uh, fighting uh, against the the white people that had the boat, uh, they were all you know white guys fighting. There were a bunch of uh, black people fighting. So is is imagery imagery wise, I will say this, and this might make people mad to, to say it, but like if you just look at the images of the fighting part and you don't know any of the setup part or any of the other parts of it, it's easy to think, well, maybe race is playing a part in this because you have people of one race fighting people of another race, but you don't definitively know anything if that's all you choose to do. And so I want to play some audio of CNN uh, and how they set the table for this uh, topic yesterday and then ask a serious, honest question to, to people, um, which is to the effect of do we want um, stories to, to be a certain thing, or are we open to the idea that they're not? Uh, are we okay with the potential that something wasn't necessarily about race, even if it looks like uh, from just watching images that it could have been? Is that even an okay thing to say? Here we go. What happened on a Montgomery, Alabama boat dock this weekend has captured the attention of millions of people and has put Montgomery again at the center of conversations around race. The chief of police there says there's not enough evidence to charge a hate crime. All right, hold on. I already got to stop. Uh, at least they put that right at the beginning. The chief of police says there's not enough evidence to charge a hate crime. But let's barrel ahead now and, and ignore that part and keep going if you're seeing it. But social media is on fire with commentary. Black folks in particular are calling what happened by many names, the Montgomery Brawl, the Alabama Dock Wallop, and the Alabama Sweet Tea Party. An anthem has been written about it, art is being made, and there are odes to the folding chair inventor, Nathaniel Alexander. All right, I already have to stop it again. The folding chair reference there, for anyone that doesn't know, there were essentially two brawls. There was a first brawl where the boat was getting moved and people fought, and then uh, it seemed that people stopped fighting. I don't want to call it cooler heads prevailed, but people just stopped fighting each other. And then eventually a second fight happened, and it was a, a black man this time that's holding a chair that hits a, a white guy over the head with it, and then actually I think hits a white woman uh, with the chair as well. But they're celebrating the chair, I guess, in some parts of social media uh, because they're they're saying that that chair represented uh, the, the black person's right to fight back against uh, white people. I, I don't know. I, that, there's a thing that I don't understand with the social media narrative there. Uh, and I, I'm saying they as in the people on social media who are talking about this, not uh, necessarily a specific race. I don't want to be misunderstood there. Continue. Who was a black man. Why is a story about a fight on a boat dock in a small American town creating all this reaction? Yes. It has a lot to do Why? with many black and brown folks feeling like they're under attack in different ways right now. From whitewashing American history in Florida to a famous country singer using imagery of black protesters warning them what would happen 
if they did that in a small town. Hold on. I don't understand any of that right there either. So the reason that people got in a fight on a dock on a boat was not because a one guy was moving a boat and another guy didn't want him to move the boat. And probably the dock worker was 100 percent in the right. And the guy who attacked him is 100 percent in the wrong. And who knows, maybe even drunk. I have no idea what the reason they fought was. That's not why. It's because of a rule that's being set in Florida. It's because of, of any – and honestly, they're misrepresenting that stuff too. Or it's because of a Jason Aldean song. Uh, I, I don't understand this desire for things to be as, as um, one way as it seems that most media want them to be and no willingness to admit that maybe it had nothing to do with that. Maybe people didn't pay attention to any of that at all. Uh, maybe people were just fighting each other because sometimes people fight each other. And I'm not saying I know definitively that I'm right and the other people are wrong. Uh, the people like this host at CNN who's saying what they're saying. I just know that I'm, I'm willing to accept the alternative narrative since you don't have enough proof. And since the very beginning of this audio says the police chief didn't think there was enough evidence to charge a hate crime. So if, if that's a fact, and I'm, I'm relying on that and other facts to assume that maybe this had nothing to do with race, why does it need to? And why, if I say what I say about it, am I accused by some people of probably being, you know, racist myself? I, I don't understand the need for it to be one way and that assumption to be so significant uh, so often. It feels as though uh, at times this is a, a forced narrative uh, because I don't, I, I guess, um, People that that see that narrative uh, refuse to accept the opposite as as possible, that maybe it had nothing to do with race at all. Um, and that's that's where I'm at on this. I'm not saying I know for sure that I'm right and other people. I, I have no idea. But it's weird that so many other people seem to know for sure in the world of media uh, what happened, even as the police are saying that's not what happened. All right. We'll take a break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3, both in AM and in FM and all over the Internet. WMBDradio.com. Will's got your news. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, first, just quickly, uh, Diane Feinstein fell down at home and had to be hospitalized. Uh, she is now out of the hospital, according to, I think, ABC News, and back at home resting. Uh, Diane Feinstein is not in good health. Uh, this is an obvious thing to a lot of people, and yet it seems as though she will continue to be someone who's in a position of political power and not someone who's told by humans that as a human, she should probably not be doing this anymore and should be doing other things. Um, but that is the latest story there. Just quickly, um, not much else to say uh, about her right now. And I'm not trying to say that she should go away because she's on a certain side of a political aisle. Um, she, for her own self, uh, should probably not be doing what she's doing. And there are several other politicians, Mitch McConnell among them, uh, should probably be doing the same thing. All right. Other things that I saw out there, uh, I saw an opinion piece about how little coverage all of the um, parents of the um, people are military members who died in Afghanistan at the Kabul airport when the suicide bomber uh, detonated and took out 13 servicemen. Um, a horrible, horrible part of the atrociously bad exit uh, in Afghanistan and a thing that should matter uh, to voters, matter in the world of uh, Biden's reelection campaign. I've seen that there. But I saw an opinion piece about how little news coverage uh, that those parents got, that those individuals, family members got and the impassioned speeches they gave and how important they were. And it's, it's sort of crazy uh, to think that news media, for the most part, was like, yeah, you know what? 
uh, for whatever reason, I'm not even sure what reason, we're not going to talk about. And I talked about a bit of it the other day myself, uh, for sure. But I do want to play this because I think this is a component of that lack of coverage is that you have the Biden State Department spokesperson, Matthew Miller, saying that the terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan was a correct policy choice. Those, those are the words he chose. They infuriate me. I'll tell you why. But here we go. What about go, go do you still believe that this is a, this was a success because they have a real hard time when the administration calls we, this withdrawal a success? Do you still believe it was a success? We believe it was the correct policy choice. But was again, but, well, hold on. we believe it was the correct policy choice. But again, I would never want to quibble with a family member who has suffered such an enormous tragedy. But I think it's uh, I, yeah, you keep saying, though, you are quibbling by saying it was the correct policy choice. That's the problem that you saw this as a policy decision, as a political decision and not one that really mattered in the world of life and death and people uh, that are in harm's way, our own uh, military members that are in harm's way. It didn't have to happen uh, this way. And you didn't have to be so focused. This would be this administration on getting a political win as quickly as you seem to want one in the world of ending the war in Afghanistan, that you did it in ways that were utterly um, uh dangerous and evidently so uh, to those service uh, people, to the individuals who were there, to the people that were trying to hang on to the planes and hold on um, that we promised, you know, we would take to the United States and then left there. Uh, There are a tremendous amount of reasons why the exit in Afghanistan was terrible. And to be able to say that with a straight face into a microphone, that it was the correct policy choice, it makes me so mad in what politics is and how politics behaves and how disconnected from life it just seems to be as often as it is. When they say that politicians don't know what's going on in the street, it's not that they just don't know. They don't care. That feels much more like a don't care. Uh, one other thing that media also totally uh, neglected to discuss for some reason, and I saw this, I think, on Fox uh, the other day, uh, was the Devin Archer and now the um, you know continuing conversations about Hunter Biden business dealings. I thought this was an interesting stat, how little time anyone discussed it uh, on uh, Thursday during its release, Friday, as far as Devin Archer goes, and then even over the weekend, it's, it's almost non-existent on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and MSNBC had a tiny little bit of coverage. Here we go. It's nearly goose eggs with the exception of MSNBC, three hours and 45 minutes. Then we want to figure out the Sunday show coverage of the Devin Archer transcript. And here it is, Dana. Mm-hmm. Uh, goose eggs across the board. Zero minutes of coverage on CBS, ABC, NBC. None. No one talked about it at all. And I don't know why. Um, and I know that a lot of people yell at the radio that they know why, that this is the fixes in. This is the collusion. Uh, this is the keeping the narrative from the people stuff. Uh, that is all the things I'm told are the control apparatuses that exist in society. Um, but at times, I don't necessarily believe that as significantly as others do. I'm not pretending it doesn't exist at all. I'm not an idiot. Uh, and I'm not as naive as I might sound during this segment. But I, I sometimes believe uh, that the willingness of a lot of people in a lot of, say, media places to ignore something is own independent personal bias, is own right here on the ground level versions of, ah, I don't really believe that, or I don't really think that's true. And I think that that is in some ways, if that is what's going on, and it's not the more corrupt uh, version that people uh, tell you it is, uh, then it's it's a very different broken problem in the world of a whole lot of uh, media and journalism. And a lot of people who just don't give a crap about the stuff they don't agree with or the stuff they don't believe could be real, so they don't even go looking. I think there's a lot of people today in a lot of powerful places in media that just don't even look. And the Hunter Biden story, at least the laptop one, is one of the best examples of that we've ever had. We've ever had 
uh, a laptop that he himself didn't even deny was his when he was finally put on the Jimmy Kimmel show. He was like, could be mine. You never know. But there were so many moments before that where so much media was sure it wasn't his and it was Russian disinformation. And you've heard this rant time and again here and other places. But it's just so amazing because it feels like Devin Archer anything is just the arrogance of a lot of media saying, I'm not going to be wrong. I was wrong, but I refuse to acknowledge my wrongness, and so I'm not going to be wrong, uh, and I'm going to keep telling you to your face that I'm covering the news in an unbiased way, in a both sides of the aisle way, but I also am not going to let myself sound like an idiot. Um, when you throw out opinion, uh, you risk sounding like a moron, and I, I risk sounding like a, an idiot on this show, and I'm fine with that. I accept it. I, I embrace those who want to tell me I'm a moron. You can text me, 309 340 Bring it on. 309-340-4464. Uh, but I never tell you that I'm not providing you uh, my opinion. Uh, and that's what a lot of these places do when they ignore stories like this. And how is that not driven more by opinion than the importantness of that story? It, feel, it felt like a very valuable story that a business partner of the current president's son was saying that they sold access to him more or less in what was uh, being used by Hunter Biden as the thing that would impress people before they would go into business with him, that he had his dad on his phone and put his dad on speakerphone. How is that not enough? Uh, anyway, uh, I'll move on. Uh, one other thing I want to play, and then I'll take a break. Uh, this is our president. Uh, he is strange. Um, when he is making sense, sometimes he chooses to whisper at odd times. Uh, here's one of those. Uh, someone is asking him, how do you convince the American people that uh, the stuff that's going on right now is the right thing to do, even when it's tremendously costly, even when there's a bunch of obstacles in the way. How do you convince them that your unwillingness, say, to to uh, create more um, um, energy in the more traditional ways and lower prices that way is something that's good for us and not bad for us? Here we go. Let's move on to solar panels because they aren't cheap. Fewer than 5% of American homes have them, and it's still cheaper, easier just to get your energy from the grid. How do you convince Americans that the hard thing to do might be the right thing to do for the environment? We're giving them tax credits to do it. That's what Why are you whispering, sir? You can afford to do it. No, we and can't. You can afford to weatherize your home. No, you can't. We're paying people to go out and make their homes more solid. No, you're not. It's not what you're doing. You're not paying people. Uh, it's not that it has no costs. It costs a whole lot of money. And then tax credits get back a little bit of that money. Uh, but the amount of time it takes for your investment to actually be returned to you, uh, which is what the president is saying there, that he's paying people to put solar energy into their houses. The amount of time it takes is 10 years, 15 years, 20, depending on what you do and how, how much you update. It's a long time until the energy bill is low enough compared to what it was beforehand to where you break even. Uh, that is a part of the problem in the world of anything, even in um, like a, um, an electric car. When you buy an electric car right now, they cost more than cars that are not electric, than a, a gas-powered vehicle. Uh, and by the way, um, Vi former Vice President Pence doesn't seem to know how to pump gas. I'll get to that in a second. That was kind of amusing today. Uh, or yesterday. Um, but to go back to it, they're more expensive cars, and it takes a long time for your electric car to actually benefit you in the savings, especially as energy costs go up. It, it takes even longer if it happens at all. And so, again, that's just sort of ignored, and tax credit 
uh, is an umbrella term that the president doesn't even seem to totally care to understand and just how significant of a of a break it'll be, um, because it's it's not it's not fully funding your decision to transition from one energy to another. And you're still not even transitioning, by the way. There's no uh, technology there in the world of solar panels where you're not still drawing some energy from the grid. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins show. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. You can text the show if you want to three zero nine three four zero four four six four is the phone number. You can also leave a voicemail there if you want to hear your own voice on the radio. Three zero nine three four zero four four six four. Not the the number you've probably known for years uh, tied to uh, this radio station, but this is a number unique to my show and my my telephone. I'm giving you my phone number out on the air. Um, I got a couple texts from uh, someone who served in our military, a listener to the show that said that the last topic I was talking about uh, really, really makes it mad, the Afghanistan withdrawal, and said policy change uh, choice was against the recommendation from generals in the field and other higher-ups. It was a disaster, the withdrawal in Afghanistan, and it makes sense. Uh, it makes tremendous sense to me uh, that so many would be mad because, yeah, on-the-ground opinions mattered more or should have mattered more than they did uh, because those individuals would know what's actually happening, not a policy decision that needed to be made because it benefited politically uh, the person in the in the White House right now, um, or at least he thought it would in saying that he ended the Afghanistan war. That is not something he will say now because of just how badly uh, that went. Uh, other things out there, uh, a little bit of a palate cleanser, and then we'll get back to serious stuff after the 430 news. A mom paid her daughter 500 bucks to date 100 different guys all before deciding whether or not she wanted to get married. So I guess at some point in a relationship, uh, this woman, she's a TikToker, her name is Elise, uh, thought that maybe she was getting close to, uh, maybe not actually, um, you know, at the finish line in the world of marrying someone. And the mom was like, you're too young. It's, it's too crazy. I'll give you 500 bucks to go on 100 dates with 100 different people. This is insane. Um, this is interesting. And then actually, apparently at the end, and this is why it went viral on social media, uh, she had two different cakes made. One cake that said yes on it, or it just said, yeah, I guess. Um, and then the other one that said a hundred and it had its own candles and the daughter was supposed to blow out the, the cake that she liked more, the getting married to one guy or uh, dating a bunch of other people. Uh, never let your boyfriend stop you from finding your husband is what someone commented on social media. Uh, a lot of people uh, very confused, but also uh, somewhat amused by this story. I mean, it, I guess it's a hundred first dates. It's not like she asked the the. I, this is wrong. I'm not. I'm not a fan of this. I would not feel great if I was getting close to thinking I'm proposing to someone, and the mom was so desperate to make sure, uh, and that's how she would say it to me: make sure I was the right person. That she set up a hundred other dates. Definitely didn't want these people to get married uh, as mom, and she outed herself about as much as anyone can. And 500 bucks also doesn't seem like enough money uh, for the amount of time it probably took to go on that many dates. Although I guess if she got those dates paid for, I, I don't know. It's a crazy story, a weird story. And I think the ending is she chose to still get married. Um, I can't believe the guy waited out that whole process. He must really, really care about her or uh, think that, you know, he doesn't have a lot of it. I don't know. I, I know I shouldn't say that last part, but it, it's something. And again, um, I've had moms that were very, very happy that I was dating their daughters. And I had moms that seemed less thrilled that I was dating their daughters. No one ever made me um, um, compete against 100 other people. And that was definitely not something that ever happened. And my, my wife's mom and I get along great. 
I get along with my in-laws really, really well, partially because I don't speak a lot of Spanish and they don't speak much, if any, English. And so it's just kind of like hanging out. I, they can never get in a fight with me. I can never get in a fight with them. It's very easy. It's very and it's very fun, actually, when I go visit them because I kind of feel like I'm on vacation. Anyway, moving on. Other things. A passenger found a, quote, genius way to feel like they were in first class or having a VIP experience while flying coach on a uh, plane. This is according to social media, not to me. They bought one of those giant, like, individual tent things that they put up. I think you used to see stuff like this marketing during COVID uh, for people to protect themselves. So like a bubble. Uh, this person brought a personal bubble onto a flight, uh, zipped themselves into it, and then uh, people took pictures and thought it was uh, both a genius and then very, very dumb. I would be so annoyed if I was sitting in the window seat and someone was sitting in the aisle seat and they did this because to, like, remove it all for me to get up, I feel like, would be a thing. I don't know if this person flying was flying with someone else, uh, but it does seem like there was only one solo cabin uh, thing made and it's all like Velcro to the seats and stuff. This is it's ridiculous. I do not think it's genius. I would be, as I said, uh, someone that be like, can I please move? Uh, this person's insane or move them somewhere else. Uh, but if you need that much uh, solo time, uh, you could just do the face version where you just wear like the the goggles or something on your face. And so you can't see anybody. You can't, you have no peripheral vision. That would be better than the giant contraption thing. I would imagine uh, if you care about other people at all. And then one last thing, I, I like this story too. 21 year old woman who's an influencer and an adult website person, uh, tried to board a flight wearing just a bikini and then went on social media and complained when she wasn't allowed to board a flight wearing just a bikini because she said it was unfair uh, that they, you know, stopped her. She was going to some sort of um, cosplay uh, costume thing convention for cyberpunk, a Netflix show. I don't know all these words here. If you don't know all these words here, that's fine. We're both okay. Uh, but apparently uh, through that process, uh, she was dressed up as a character. Uh, that character wears a bikini and she was told that's inappropriate. Uh, for the plane. Um, and I just don't understand why anyone would genuinely think that some of these things weren't going to be flagged as as inappropriate. Um, I, I love this story. I love uh, the person's uh, upset, you know, uh, social media posts and all the followers, fans, fanboys, whatever you want to call them, saying, how dare they? How dare they kick you off that flight? And then like the human in the back of the room, hopefully saying none of this is surprising at all. It seems fairly desperate for attention. And, and to be honest, I imagine she 100% new going in. She wasn't getting on that flight. All right, quick break. Will's got the news. Uh, after the news, I do want to dive a little bit deeper into one other thing in the world of our president uh, that he said about his football career that I find pretty funny because uh, it, it doesn't seem to make sense yet again. Shocking, I know. And, and other things going on in the world. Uh, but first, Will's got you covered. Um, you can find us on your app, whatever phone you got. Download the WMBD radio app or tell your smart speaker to play WMBD radio and hear the radio at your house, uh, Will Stevenson, talking about this. <laughs> 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, Betty, my wife, pops in uh, about three times a week or so now, I think, although you've done it every day this week. Yes, I'm very Craig. excited about it. You're welcome. Uh, you give us the word of the day. You teach yes. everybody Spanish one word at a time. People love you. 
They yell at you on the street. Betty, word of the day. They're, they're very happy to see you. Mike, too. Mike Stickman from yes. uh, The Wolf. Oh, yeah, from one of our other sister yes. stations yes. was saying how much he likes the segment. Uh, no, he asked me, like, hey, Betty, what is the word of the day? I was like, <laughs> Mike, I got to tell you something. Like, uh-huh. sometimes I came with the word of the day, like, right at the last second. Or, like, uh, at yeah. the last minute mm-hmm. that I'm, like, in the radio. With totally fine. Track. No one can tell. You're doing a great job. Yes. And you're fluent in Spanish, so I have every confidence that you can come up with a word every day for a very long time. This segment can exist a long time if we need it to. Uh, your first language. Um, let's do this first, though. I like to throw some other stuff at you. Uh, so a husband decided to teach his daughter man chores is what he called them. He taught her how to mow the lawn. He taught her how to do a lot of the stuff in the house that he's expected to do. Even fix a flat tire was on the list of stuff to do. The wife got mad. The wife got mad because he taught them to his daughter as man chores that she should know how to do, uh, even though she doesn't do any of them and he does all of them. And so she went to Reddit, uh, a place that I love, Am I the Jerk, on Reddit, and asked who the jerk was, him for teaching his daughter chores that he called man chores, or her for getting mad at him for teaching him chores that way, even though, again, in their relationship, it's working out. He's doing certain things. She's doing certain things. What do you think of that story? Well, I I think like uh, all the women out there, they need the knowledge to how to change. Do the all that stuff, yeah. Like how to put a, yes. a oil on the car. Nice. I used to do it in my in my old car back in Mexico. Change your oil. Change, uh, yeah. I, I, know. I didn't I didn't learn how to like change a tire, but I did learn some like mechanical things because mm. I had an I. I I got like a Betty old Volkswagen. You did, and you loved your Volkswagen, and you yes. took amazing care of it. And yes. then when you left Mexico to come to the United I States cry. to go to school, <laughs> you got sad. Yes. And then actually, they wound up selling your Volkswagen yeah, a couple of years dad. later. Yeah. yeah, it's not, and it's now it's real nice. Somebody like yeah, totally oh my renovated God, it's it. It's an antique, yes. And it drives around your yes. little town, and it just beeps at you. Yes, every it's very upsetting. That I, see, I see my cars like all that. Yeah. yeah, that's how I'm going to feel when my Jeep is finally gone, and then maybe somebody buys it and fixes it. Who knows? Yeah, but it's a huge difference. Right. But what about mowing the lawn and stuff? Because I have mantra in our house there's stuff i yes, do that you, you don't do. do actually yeah. i was thinking about it like sometimes during the weekend just like hey betty i'm gonna like to the lawn or that's right yes Gotta get or it i'm done. gonna like i don't know put like mm-hmm. a needle on the wall to uh <laughs> put like a janky yeah i hang thing. stuff up for us yes yes, yes. i'm the hanger upper yes. of things yes, yes i like that oh um, the lights the light bulbs the light, I, I obsess love. with the light bulbs yes. yes i do yeah no i do um i don't i wouldn't have any problem with this i think this is kind of funny of yeah. course people can do any kind of chore and i don't think Dad was trying to tell her that she can't. Do, he's teaching her how to do some stuff. Uh, but I would also feel bad if you started being the one to mow our lawn. <laughs> I, I would not feel good about that. Yeah, I don't well, think our neighbors would feel good about that. In our case, I think it is yeah. fair, like I know half and a half of the chores. Oh, I don't do are, half. Are, you do more no. than half of the chores. Actually, you were very nice yesterday trying to help me with do the dishes. Do dishes and stuff, yes. yes. And, mm-hmm. and yes, and I finished way, way faster because yep. you helped me. I stood there. I dried. I put stuff away. I did all the yep. stuff that I should be doing. Yeah, because yes. actually I read a story yesterday, and I didn't put it on the radio, but I did read it that said one of the biggest reasons that women divorce men is yes. men don't help out enough in the house. That yes. is a big reason I that know. women eventually divorce men. Yeah, And, then, and you, so then I went home and I helped you do a bunch of stuff yesterday. You, yeah, you helped me. And I was even thinking, I was like, is Craig going to help me? <laughs> if he's not going to help days, me, I'm yeah. going to crack an egg in his front head. <laughs> okay, I need to explain that. <laughs> All right. I, I, I love that you brought that up. Thank you, Betty. So two days ago, we're watching yes. a Yankee game, and you're yeah. just dying laughing yeah. on the couch. You're yes. laying, like, flat, and I'm kind of sitting up, and I can't see what's on your phone. But you it's the hardest I've seen you laugh outside of when I make you laugh. I feel yeah. proud. Yeah. But in a while, to any kind of video, any kind of thing, and I was like, what are you watching? And all it was was wives 
without telling their husbands, but getting the husbands to sit down with them in the kitchen, yeah. cracking eggs over the top of their forehead <laughs> and shocking the husbands. Just... And you, you, I'm glad I saw it because yeah. I think you would have tried to do it to me. But you found that so funny. I, I, I just like the, the their faces, the yeah. husband's the faces, the shock. Because the, the wife is literally like there cooking breakfast or whatever she's doing. And she needs to crack the, the egg uh -huh. shell of the egg. And the, the husband smack. is just like there, right there sitting on the table. So the, the wife just like smacked the, <laughs> the egg in the front uh -huh. head. And, and the reaction and the husband is like, what is happening? Right. And it didn't crack so, any of the egg on the husband. No, it's They're just, just like cracking to, it open. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And you just get a little bit of pop into your head, and then you're fine. And yeah, then everything's... and the first husband, <laughs> one of the first couple that I saw, the husband got so upset. Yeah, he like, made a lot of faces. Yeah, he was joking, but still, like, kind of upset. It was like, come here, I'm going to do it mm -hmm. to you. But I don't know. I told you before, like, sometimes the stuff that makes me laugh a lot is just, like, the reactions of mm -hmm. people. You like physical humor a lot. Exactly, yes. Physical humor is very popular in Mexico. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah. A lot of Mexican TV and, like, comedy has a lot of physical yeah, humor to it. Yeah, So, yeah, you see, saw guys getting hit in the head with eggs and being confused, and then the, the woman <laughs> yes. just keeps cooking. I think yeah. the funniest part of the video is she tried to do it without even acknowledging it. Yeah. She cracked the egg, put it in the, like, thing, and then just kept cooking. Yeah. You wanted to do it to me real yes, bad, didn't yes. you? Yes, yes. Oh, my okay. God, yes. You still do. Yeah, especially because... <laughs> Right. Especially because when I'm cooking, you are around in the kitchen, and, and and then you are just like like standing there with your phone or doing something yeah. in the way. So mm -hmm. the wife is like running around, and then okay, the husband is there. I'm gonna like just hit me with an egg. With, I got you. Front, okay. I make some of the stuff for yes, you, you when you tell me to. I, yeah. I like I I'm obedient. I listen. Yeah, you in put the, the bacon on the open. Yeah, sometimes. I did. The, see, I did yes, that. Yes, yes. I cracked the eggs. Yeah. I do that sometimes. Okay, good. This <laughs> made me sound like a child uh, toward the end here, but you did. You love that video. So much that I'm definitely sure at some point in the near future, there will be a video made of you cracking an egg on my face. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll do it for the uh, Monday thing. I'm at Monday. I'm at the no, river. No, no, the Peoria Riverfront. Craig, no, no, not in public. Really, in private. No, no. Even if you record it and put it up yes, on social media. No, okay. Sad, no. right. I'm at the, the riverfront, though, on I Monday. Know, yeah. uh, broadcasting for the uh, greater uh, Peoria tailgater yeah. uh, before the Bears season starts. There's going to be former players there. One to ten. How excited are you, Craig? I'm pretty excited. I'm not a Bears fan, but I'm pretty excited. That's a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun in that environment, and it's um, a pretty long all-day kind of thing. You can go um, from, like, noon, I think, and then 2 o'clock some of the bigger stuff starts till 6. Mm -hmm. uh, but there will be a bunch of stuff to do, a bunch of fun, and I'll be broadcasting live. And Betty will be showing up with eggs at, like, 5 o'clock. <laughs> no. Okay, good. No, no, not at 5. No. All right. Before I let you go, what's the word of the day? You're teaching us Spanish, all of central Illinois, one word at a time. I don't save any of these words. I have no idea if anyone else is, but what's today's word? Tocino. Tocino. It's bacon. Yes. Yeah, I know great. that word. Yeah, I know it. Oh, my it. God. You know that sure, word. Sure. I know. I've, I've ordered a lot of Tocino in my life, Tocino. Boyle. Tocino. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you know that word? Craig? I know a lot of words, Betty. I, I, where, I've, where did you I've learn that word? It. I'm like a little baby. I'm just sucking the words yes, in. Yes. Like every El so Pollito es Chiquito. El Pollito es Chiquito. Yes. The, the chicken is little. El yeah. Elefante es grande. grande. Yes. yes. <laughs> Don't do that yes. to me. I took a Spanish class early on in our relationship. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to explain that and then I'll take a break. I took a Spanish class like, I don't know, a year into us dating, and they were teaching me the Avion is big. It's Avion is grande. And I said it, and your the family... The plane is, is Right, big. the plane is big. Your your family to this day still makes fun of me yeah. about those first couple sentences. They still chiquito. see me, and they say, yeah. yeah, okay, thanks. This felt good. <laughs> All right, good. Tocino is bacon. Tocino. Yeah. Tocino is bacon, and yes. It's very, it's muy delicioso. It's, it's very good. Yes, it is. It's very good. Muy bueno, yeah. Yeah, but you got to have it crispy. What's the word for crispy? 
Uh, tostado. Or, tostado. Yes. Okay. Uh, no tostado. Two Spanish like, words yeah. today. Okay, yeah. Good. All right. Fantastic. Something like that. Thank I, you so much, Betty. I'm going to keep guarding my forehead in the house for the eggs. You're going to try to crack in it. Uh, quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Um, I love that there is a story out there that's uh, getting a whole bunch of people to donate blood because donating blood is important. Uh, They talked about it a lot during, well, parts of the pandemic. Um, But this is happening in Romania, in Transylvania. Uh, Apparently, it's a giant dance music festival. And the way in which you get into the music festival is either buy tickets or you donate blood in Transylvania. Uh, Dracula and other uh, nurses are there. Uh, The nurses are often dressed like vampires, too. And they take your blood and then you get a one day complimentary pass to go to part of the um, the show, the music festival. And they built a whole blood network uh, there because of this. Obviously, it's very gimmicky. It's very, you know, playing on the, the Transylvania Dracula thing. Uh, but what I thought was kind of funny and probably the reason I wanted to mention this, uh, I've said before in this radio station, I was born on Halloween. And I remember my mom said two things about uh, giving birth to me on Halloween. Uh, the first one is when she showed up at the hospital. Um, there was a nurse dressed as a vampire that said to take her blood. So I've seen this trick before. Uh, I don't think mom was as thrilled in the situation she was in to deal with the humor of that. But I like that story. And then the other one and my favorite part is the night before um, I was born, my mom went to bed and apparently prayed uh, and said, don't have Craig the next day. Like, don't like it's a very challenging thing to be on a holiday on Halloween. A lot's going on stuff to do. Just please not tomorrow. And from what I've heard, she woke up and shortly after I was ready to be born. So I love that, too, uh, mostly because it made my sisters uh, wear um, um, things over there. They had to wear uh, raincoats over their uh, costumes because my grandmother took them trick or treating. So that was great. Um, But that is uh, a Transylvania story where Dracula and other nurses are taking your blood and then you get to go to a music festival for a couple days. Uh, That's that's a unique version of a thing. Other stuff out there. Uh, There is a viral video of someone making the sweet tea at McDonald's, and I guess people are reacting to the amount of sugar that goes in it. It's almost like an entire bag of sugar, Uh, although who knows if that's really the recipe or not. People on social media just do stuff to to go uh, viral, but I'm assuming there's a lot of sugar in the sweet tea in a McDonald's. Uh, But an entire four-pound bag is what you're seeing dumped in, and the person mixes it all up and then says, boom, uh, diabetes in a cup. You know, the funny thing about um, uh, McDonald's to me is I grew up like in the heyday, or at least I think it's the heyday of the Happy Meal. Um, And you might tell me I'm wrong. Yell at the radio and tell me I'm wrong right now. That's fine. And so there's something about McDonald's that creates a positive emotion uh, for me. And I don't even like eat there that often anymore. Um, But it's just it's a forever association, I think, because it was such a fun place to go as a kid because the play place and the Happy Meal and the toy, all the stuff. And so no matter what they say about if the food's unhealthy or if the sweet tea is too sweet, I don't care. And my wife actually loves McDonald's breakfast. So when we do go, we usually still go and get some of the the breakfast items and they're they're still great. So I I know that this is supposed to be a really bad uh, PR thing for for McDonald's, uh, but I think People who go to some places, not just to McDonald's, understand it's not the healthiest version of food, and that might not be the reason to go. And I probably will actually go there tonight now, now that I talked about it so much. And I should get – I haven't done it, and I don't think I'll do it, actually. I just immediately changed my mind. 
But I was I was thinking in my brain for a second there. I'll just explain it to you, the listener, that I was going to get one of those adult Happy Meals. But I don't think I'd respect myself if I did. I don't think I can do it. And I don't think it'll have the same level of impact it had when I was a kid. But they were making those for my generation, for millennials uh, that grew up with Happy Meals and want to still be uh, children, I guess. But I, for a quick second, it blasted through my mind, and then I decided, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, some other things out there, I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, this is the uh, amount of people who use subtitles uh, when they watch television or movies at home. 66% at least have them on some of the time. I have them on all the time. Uh, I should have asked my wife about this. She was just in studio. Uh, English is her second language, so she needs the subtitles on, even though she's fluent in English. And I, I actually have come to really like it because there's things that I didn't understand and like like really quick um, things that people say or even like little Easter eggs and say Marvel movies that you don't catch. But with the subtitles on, you catch them all. And so that's that's great. I like it. I recommend doing it. You get used to it very fast. Uh, but uh, 13% have them on all the time. 66% of people turn them on part of the time. And there are people that have watched like movies with us uh, that get annoyed and we turn them off uh, for anybody that doesn't want to handle it. But uh, for the most part, it's, it's fine and it, it's great. And then you know for sure what people are saying. Uh, or my ears are just breaking because I'm, I don't know, uh, someone who's working in this industry for as long as I have. Uh, something else out there that I saw, peak dinner time, according to a new study uh, in the United States, is 6.19 p.m., uh, many people eat dinner between 5.07 and 8.19. That's very specific times. Any of that is considered normal. Anything earlier than 5.07 or later than 8.20, I guess, uh, would be considered a late dinner. Uh, but most people eat at 6.19. Um, this is a study that pretty much looked at every single um, state and found this to be the ideal time for me. I don't know if it's the ideal time from like a diet perspective. Uh, my wife has been reading. I bought her the book. My wife went to Barnes & Noble. I don't know why I'm telling this story on the air, but now I'm doing it. And she wanted to have like a, a health book. She wants to get healthier. She wants me to get healthier. And so I was in the aisles with her and glancing at the like the backs of covers of stuff. And I picked one. Uh, it said the woman on it had been interviewed on a bunch of like TV stations and stuff. And that like her diet was tried and true. And so I was like, here you go. Like, here's this one. This one might be good. And she bought it and she's almost done it and she loves it. And now is the point where it's going to impact my life. My decision to buy the thing is going to change the food that uh, she makes in the house because she's the cook. I'm terrible at that. And it's going to change some other stuff. And even I think what time we eat dinner, uh, they say that you want to go to bed on as empty of a stomach as possible, not fully empty stomach, because those are the hours when you're resting and you're not you know, burning calories. So these are all things that I'm going to have to deal with now. And it's my fault. And maybe that was the trick. Uh, maybe my wife got me to go shopping with her and pick out the book so I can only blame myself. Uh, when we, and we've been eating salad for lunch, uh, which I feel like I'm now randomly bragging about on the radio uh, to you, the listener. But I feel proud of it, okay? It's been three days of mostly salad, and then I do go downstairs and hit the vending machine for one or two non-salad items because there are no salads in our vending machines. That'd be a weird vending machine if it was chock full of salad. Or if Betty got in there, she'd probably do that. I don't know um, how you'd keep a salad vending machine I don't know. fresh. No, I think it would go bad fairly quickly. You can make it cold. They, they have, you know, they, I mean, I've they, been in places they, that have cold vending machines, yeah, but it well, just doesn't seem right. Well, all of the, like, drink items are, are in 
you know, cold things. So I'm sure it exists. I'm sure thought it's you, fine. I thought you were going to say you were getting a yeah. uh, salad or getting a payday bar out yeah. of the vending machine and calling it I, a salad. I did notice today, though, this is the third day of salads at work uh, that I had more snacks from the vending machine. So I think that, like, collectively, I'm not doing myself any any favors at this point. Yeah, but you're not, and you're actually, not severely harming yourself you know either. No, and actually, I don't think that Betty knew about the vending machine trips, and I think she just texted me about them. I might be in a little bit of trouble with the <laughs> oh, message. Well, nice I promise. You. No, they were mostly health. Healthier, healthy-ish things. Anyway, <laughs> let's take a break. Top five at five coming up next. Uh, yeah, That's I can't help why myself. I'm not married anymore. No, no, Craig. no. It's fine. I'm, I'm still going to do the snacks because I can't, I can't stop myself, man. I'm. The salad's not you, filling. You got to take. You're right. A it's lot not. Of times it's not a meal. Not filling unless you get no. one about the size of a Buick. You got to get a huge salad. It's not. I'm, I've been telling her that gotta, it's been filling, but it's not it been filling. Three gallons of right. ranch dressing. Sometimes an after-salad snack that you keep a secret from the missus is the way to have a happy relationship. This as is what I'm I've, saying. As I've heard it said, <laughs> wars were not won on salad. No, they were not. They were not fought on Twinkies. All right, uh, Will's got the news. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, top five at five coming up next. It's an AM and FM. We're all over the internet, WMBDradio.com. Fourteen seventy. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I do this every single day at this time. Uh, I go through the top stories of the day uh, for you, for me, for whoever wants to hear them. I call it the top five at five. Uh, for a while, I was not doing these topics in order. Uh, now I'm trying to uh, challenge myself to do them in reverse order. We have a fancy sounder. We have all the things. Let's play that. Let's get going. Top five at five time on the Craig Collins Show. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on the Craig Collins Show. I just said that. I just said that. All right, here we go. Uh, the number five story of the day to me is that the Mega Millions was won, or um, $1.58 billion was won last night. Somebody in Florida uh, won, which means they'll pay even less taxes, which has got to be awesome uh, for them. Uh, but one winner, a uh, whole bunch of money is going that direction. Um, I don't know what you do with that kind of money. I don't know if it's a place. I found out that you can be anonymous in Illinois if you make over 250000 on a, a lottery win. I did not know that before. Uh, maybe that's not true if somebody wants to correct me, but I'm pretty sure I found it to be true uh, just the other night. So uh, maybe we'll never know. I don't know if Florida has to um, tell people who it is, uh, but someone bought it at a supermarket and is probably freaking thrilled that they did that. And I am very jealous, and I will stop playing the Mega Millions now until it gets back up to a billion dollars. The last time it was over a billion was in 2022. So it seems like something is broken uh, in the world of how much harder uh, the lottery has gotten over the last – it was already ridiculously hard, but it's gotten even harder the last few years, which is why we're now seeing um, record payouts. I, I guess it doesn't matter. When your odds go from $200 million to $300 million, uh, to win, that is a lot. But to you and me, it doesn't really feel like all that different of a thing because the odds were already terrible. But anyway, that's the fifth story. Uh, number four, uh, Ohio has voted uh, and there is a belief now, and I think this is out of uh, AP News, that abortion rights will play a role in the ballot boxes in 2024 uh, for Democrats and for Republicans. I will say one thing about this. I know there's DeSantis audio out there and other audio talking about um, abortion. And I know I've somewhat said some of my opinions on this show. I am Catholic, and so you might be able to, to figure out some things about me uh, based on my faith. Uh, but I don't believe 
that it should actually be the voting issue that it, it may be and that I, uh, Ohio is sort of uh, showing it to be based on the turnout in a special election uh, that had an issue about abortion on uh, the ballot. Um, and the reason why is because I don't think Republicans can actually run on any sort of platform that promises to to ban abortion uh, because the Supreme Court ruling should wind up um, overturning any sort of position to do that. Because if you remember, the reason that we are in the world we're in right now and Roe versus Wade was overturned is the Supreme Court said it was a state issue, not a federal issue. I can't see a scenario. Now, granted, I'm not you know, as as knowledgeable in those worlds as others are, uh, where anyone would actually do anything different. So that's why I do think it's interesting, because in states uh, where there is not any sort of attack on abortion rights, uh, like here in Illinois, it's very hard to make it a campaign message. For, you, you hear that from any sort of conservative candidate in a place where they know it would be something that wouldn't change there. You heard it from um, um, uh, uh, Darren Bailey saying that he wasn't going to try to change it. So I do think that it's it's a platform that even though it, it might be a reason that people show up and vote for certain places, you're not actually effectively creating change unless you're doing it in some of those states that have already decided to change some things. And then you're really only trying to do it at the state level. I don't think the federal parts of our election will have any impact on this, but it will be a platform people run on. And I guess the, the voting in Ohio has convinced at least some news organizations, uh, and they might be right. I, I know that there's been reports about how even uh, Trump, who's the leading candidate, on the um, uh, you know, Republican side of the aisle is unwilling to really make that be a focal point of his own campaign for a couple reasons. And I know people have very strong opinions about it. Some may be disappointed in what I've said about me not believing it's ever something that would be banned at a federal level. But I just mean that legally. I, I don't see how you can uh, overturn something and then go back to that same court system, back to that same branch of government and ask them to enforce something that's the opposite. I just don't see how we get there. Uh, another thing that I thought was out there, and I'm going to make this actually the uh, third story, uh, just because I'm amused by it. It's probably not uh, as high up as I've ranked it. But climate activists are now mad at our current president, uh, at Biden, for saying that he practically declared a U.S. emergency against uh, climate change or against, um, you know, uh, all those issues uh, that he says are a big problem, uh, a existential threat to our, our way of life. Um, but he hasn't actually done it. Uh, this is the problem that you face, I think, in this world. A whole lot of people that say that that's unnecessary, not important. It's it's all uh, the government trying to funnel more money in places that would not actually go to helping the, the environment or helping the climate or doing any of the stuff you're claiming to do. And really, it's not a solution because the United States, and this is stuff I've said on this show, the United States doing this alone uh, won't have any impact uh, on the world anyway, because a lot of the other countries that actually output a lot of the emissions have no interest in doing what the United States says it's going to do. So it, all in all, there's a lot of reasons why this would uh, not work anyway, but that's not the issue. The issue is those that support you when you promise certain things, get mad when you don't go full hardcore to that side of the aisle. Uh, so it's really a, a lose situation, too, in my opinion, to be something that they run on and talk about, and yet they don't care. And they'll keep doing it and keep saying you need to give more money to the government and then trust us, we'll do the right stuff with it. Don't you worry. Uh, that's crazy. I don't even have to fight whether or not climate change is real. That's not, I never want to go that road. I've mentioned some of my thoughts on that before, but it's irrelevant in the world of politics only because if you think that the solution comes from the government, uh, you should recheck what Ronald Reagan has said about how bad of an idea that is, because it won't, no matter what you think. All right. Other things in the top five at five. 
let's call this 3B, because uh, this is still the president of the United States. Uh, he called himself a flanker back, uh, one of a few different odd things he said uh, today. And then actually I have um, some Peter Ducey audio that I really love uh, that's about uh, Biden, too. Uh, but he said in response to something he was saying to a different uh, senator that he was glad that he didn't play flanker back against the other senator who was playing tight end, even though both of those positions would be on offense. And also no one says one of those words or one of those phrases anymore. But here's another dumb moment for our president as 3B. Senator Heinrich, I tell you what, I'm glad I was a flanker back. I'm glad I didn't have you on the other side as a tight end. But good to see you, man. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know. He sometimes does act like somebody who played a lot of football and has a lot of mental problems uh, for that, um, you know, getting hit in the head a lot, which he didn't do. And uh, again, it's just one of many stupid things. He said he hibernated uh, today. I played that audio earlier. I'll play it a little later on. Uh, but also this. This is uh, the second biggest story of the day to me. Uh, this is Peter Ducey confronting Biden about the testimony from partner uh, business partners of his son, uh, talking about how he got on speaker phones, he went to meetings, he took 37 meetings with the financial guy for Hunter Biden's business at the White House while he was the vice president, and Biden said, you're an idiot, essentially. Here we go. There's this testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you... We're on speakerphone a lot with them, talking business. Is that what? I've never talked business with anybody. And I, I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you, it's, why is that a lousy question? <laughs> it's not. Because it's not true. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Get away. It's not true. It's not true. Um, it sounds like more than one person is saying it is true. And you were much closer tied to Hunter Biden's business uh, than you'd ever claim to be, or at least he uh, sold you as the core thing that people were buying, even if you didn't know it. And I'll just continue to ask as I as I say that as the number two story of the day, which one is worse? Is it worse to have the president? And I know this is, is a bold thing to say. Is it worse to have the president, vice president actually taking bribes, actually making money off of something that his son definitely was making money off of or being so stupid so unaware of what someone in your own family is doing with your name that you could actually claim that you were completely unaware of the amount of things he was doing, of the amount of ways in which he benefited financially uh, from um, referencing his access to you, the vice president. One is actually illegal. I understand that. The other one is not. But the stupidity level, uh, which people already do tie to our current president, to be that unaware of what's going on inside your own home is so embarrassing, so so terrible that you should not be leading anything. So I would argue that even the way the Democrats shape it is in no way, shape or form a compliment or a positive uh, for the person currently in charge of our well country. And then one last one, number one story of the day. Uh, this is according to me. Uh, a lot of people won't have this as number one, but I think it matters. Uh, Jack Smith had a search warrant for uh, Trump's Twitter account uh, that he served to Twitter. Twitter fought it, I guess, got fined $350,000. But the thought that I, the part that I thought was the most interesting, and maybe the reason that Twitter fought it in the first place, is there was a non-disclosure agreement that actually told Twitter they could never let anyone know about the existence of the warrant uh, because they thought it would somehow interfere uh, with their investigation into the former president. 
Uh, Jack Smith's team cared so much about um, overturning every stone, uh, looking everywhere they could, uh, going after anything of a former president, that they forced Twitter into compliance with a $350,000 fine, as I said, and also wanted no one to know about it. The no one to know about it ever part is the part that confuses me. I understand them saying that during the investigation, can't have Trump knowing about it or the people you're trying to spy on know about it, but trying to have a nondisclosure that forever uh, they couldn't um, acknowledge that they complied with this is, and it's something that a lot of tech companies fight in a lot of other ways. And going after a social media account to look for whatever messaging is in there uh, feels like it could also be a pretty easy infringement of your freedom of speech. Um, but I don't know. And I don't know if they found anything in there because you never really heard anything about it. But just the the scope, the breadth, the everything uh, in the world of, of how far uh, Jack Smith went in this investigation of a former president and what they inevitably potentially have uh, is something that I think is a really big story. So it's my number one story today. Quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, let's get back to good story, bad story in about 10 minutes. That's the segment we do just after the news. Um, but right now we're going to talk about dog stories that I found in the news. And actually also uh, this, uh, just first quickly, uh, a new study found that you have a 226% increase in your cognitive capabilities, especially in an older group of people they tested uh, between the ages of 60 and 85. If you go to sleep with essential oils uh, in the background and full strength versions too, uh, they had a control group that had a lesser strength of these oils. I know Scott Robbins gets made fun of on Markley, Van Camp and Robbins for his desire to buy, have, use essential oils. Uh, those little, you know, scents that shoot out of the uh, machine or whatever. I don't have one of those, as you can tell. Uh, apparently, it's really good for him. Uh, and there's certain smells that do better than others uh, on the list of recommended scents. Lavender, rose, orange, eucalyptus, lemon, peppermint, and rosemary. But full blast. You want the, you want the full shot. Uh, you don't want to have, you know, a weaker uh, version as they did in the study. Uh, but a 226% uh, increase in your capacity, especially people who might at later stages in life struggle with things like dementia. Uh, that's where the study in the University of California was most focused. Um, this was a surprisingly effective result. So sense can help you remember stuff. Uh, I remember even, you know, music, other things. Uh, at, I know there's studies that have shown that. So at times in school, I'd have teachers who would like play classical music in the background or, you know, light a candle or something. I don't know what they did. I did certain kinds of things. And they told all the kids that it would we'd remember stuff better. And it didn't always work. Uh, I have to be honest. For me, it didn't. For others, maybe it did. Uh, but that is a study out there in the world. All right. Here we go. We have two dog stories. Uh, the first one is somewhat of a good one. Uh, definitely not as bad as the other one. Uh, but this is a woman that found a dog that popped up in her renovated bathroom as she was um, working on, I think, the floor. I find this hilarious. The dog lived in the area. Don't know how he got in there. Uh, but eventually, just all of a sudden, you're looking in the bathroom. You're seeing some things. And there's there's a dog's face. Oh, my dog. Sweet baby, how did you get there? <laughs> how did this happen? Aww. And what do I do about it? I mean, he's chill. Oh, my gosh, like, what do I do? Okay, I really like that you can hear the breathing of the dog in the background. I mean, I mean he's chill. <laughs> oh, my gosh, like, what do I do? Dogs are great. Uh, this dog got into the house, got up through the floor in the bathroom. He's in a house he doesn't recognize. He's like, that's awesome. 
I'm here. They'll figure it out. And then this one is uh, the opposite of a fun story with dogs. This makes me very mad. A woman abandoned a dog at an airport when she couldn't take the dog on a flight, just left it there uh, with, like, food and water. People found it. Uh, Animal control uh, got the dog. People already want to adopt the dog. But I think this is one of the um, police officers uh, talking about hearing about all this, how crazy and awful it was, and the fact that the woman is likely to be charged by something. Uh, I did, again, hear Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins uh, talk about and joke about this today. And I heard Scott specifically say that it's sort of ridiculous that you have charges on stuff like this in the world, not that he's not a supporter of it. And yet in certain states and certain cities, you can smash and grab and steal something under a thousand dollars 600 bucks walk out no problem at all uh, but here's part of that audio from that story. we were able to determine that the dog's owner had attempted to fly with the dog this morning and was denied boarding due to having an improper cargo container in turn the dog was abandoned and its dog's owner wow. continued to its resort destination as intended the owner also attempted to fly with the animal under the pretenses of being an emotional support dog but was denied boarding for that as well there's one question i do have about this story i don't know if the person who got on the flight would have tried to call a friend a family member someone and ask them to go pick the dog up at the airport and that's why i don't know if the intention was to fully abandon their dog for like you know a week or however long they're going on a flight uh, it doesn't really matter you probably shouldn't do any of this and you shouldn't trust other family members to come pick a dog that you tied up to a car or something like that but i do wonder about that because this story sounds horrible and i wonder if there's some explanation that makes it a little less horrible uh, but i don't have the answers all right uh, we got to take a break will's got the news uh, after that we'll do good story bad story something that restores your faith in humanity, and then something that, well, uh, does the exact opposite, because that's the world we live in, people. Uh, but AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3. We have an app, the WMBD radio app, or you can even tell your smart speaker to play WMBD radio, and you have radio in the house, as I know Will's very excited about it all day today. Radio in the house, just do that. I had no idea you could get radio in the Without house. Without a radio. We don't own a radio in our house, but how are we hearing radio? The smart speaker. It gets I, it done. I have a really, really old restored radio in nice. my apartment. I have a radio in my house, too. I'm yeah. afraid to turn it on because if I, I'm afraid if You're I plug short it in, everything? It'll, yeah, it'll uh, short yeah. everything. Smoke will come out of the back. There's only one way to find out, Will. I'll let you know. Okay, thanks, buddy. I'll file you got... a full report. <laughs> good. You got the news. A lot more, including good story, bad story, coming up next. Uh, Will, what do you got? Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about. It is time for good story, bad story. But before I do that, uh, the VFW in Peoria Heights is one of my favorite places. Uh, to go in town for a bunch of reasons. Uh, the uh, bar staff is awesome. Uh, they remember our drinks a lot of the times when we walk in there. Uh, there's nice, it's sort of a community atmosphere too. I've heard people say that they don't want to go to a VFW because they think it's a bunch of, and this is a quote, not mine, someone else's, a bunch of like old uh, military veterans uh, being grumpy and sitting around and, and complaining about something or whatever. I, I don't know where that image comes from or when that existed. That's not what the VFW in Peoria Heights is. When I go in there, although it is cool uh, to meet some veterans who are there, but they're, it's open to the public. There's people there. Uh, they have uh, a pool table. They got games in the back. They got all the things you'd expect at a typical bar. Uh, plus, they care 
Um, they've been doing a lot of philanthropic things. I've promoted a lot of it on the show. It's another big reason why I like going and hang out there is I know that the money they make that goes beyond just supporting the bar uh, actually winds up uh, helping a lot of people. Uh, 1505 East Lake Avenue in Peoria Heights is the address. 1505 East Lake Avenue. Uh, 309-682-9875 is the phone number. 309-682-9875. They also have food on Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday, and the food is great. Uh, we highly recommend it. Betty loves uh, their tacos. Um, all right, some good story, bad story. First, the good story. And I just like the audio or the you know experience of this, the, the idea that uh, people um, really enjoyed this. It's probably not the best of the good stories I've had on the show. But a group of people on a small boat in Massachusetts had a very close encounter uh, with whales the other day. Uh, they shared footage on social media that went viral. They have some of the audio that I'll play here. Uh, but it was just sort of a surprise, and obviously nothing ended poorly. So it was a really cool surprise, um, and I've never been that up close um, with any sort of uh, aquatic creature quite like this. So I don't know. It, it would be amazing if it was you. I know that as far as a good story goes, though, it's probably only so interesting if it didn't happen to us. But here we go. It's curious. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's right here. It's just, just hanging out. It's a comeback whale. Hi. Hi. Oh <laughs> God. It's right there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh my god all right there's a lot of giddy laughter at the end there and I, I do wonder why people go into like the baby voice sometimes if you talk to your pet your dog your cat uh however in the baby voice i don't do that i, I treat my my dog mancha like a like an adult person you know <laughs> no i don't do that either actually but i don't i don't speak in the baby voice i don't know if that's what came over uh, them there for a second but it would have been cool if it was us so that's the good story uh, again probably pales in comparison to some of my other ones now it's time for the bad story and I have a couple here that I think I could use. Uh, the first one is two road ragers uh, who wound up uh, getting out of their cars in Texas on a Friday. Uh, the argument started escalating more and more. And eventually, and I don't know why, they both spray painted each other's faces. Uh, they also painted the, the car. I, where do you have enough spray paint to, to both do this? Uh, but that's, that's the end of the fight. Uh, they start spray painting each other and spray painting other stuff. The cops arrive. People get arrested. People are in trouble. Uh, a lot of things don't go the way you want. Uh, the, the photos, the mug shots are kind of funny because uh, you can tell that there was all kinds of spray paint on their faces. Uh, one guy seemed like his face was spray painted a uh, very you know pale uh, shade of white. The other guy had red paint on him. Uh, don't do this. Uh, not a recommendation. Not a thing you should do. Uh, they were also throwing objects at each other. Uh, pretty much about as crazy as you can get in the world of a fight. Um, but that is the bad story. And then a couple other things that I saw. I thought this was kind of interesting. And then I probably want to get to something um, more serious. Uh, but I saw a person that went viral on social media saying that being a strict parent means you're going to have really crafty, sneaky kids. And that the uh, stricter you are, the better at being sneaky. Uh, the kids will be. Uh, she actually saw something. I think I have this audio of just a person ranting on social media. Let's play a little bit of this. So I've been watching a lot of those videos where the kids are asking their parents different scenarios and the parents are responding like based on whether they were strict or not very strict. And I just watched one where the mom was so strict. It reminded me of my mom. My mom was so strict. Like I lied to her about everything because she was so restrictive. Uh -oh. 
like up until I moved out, my curfew was eight o'clock at night. Yeah, my curfew was like 10 or 11, depending on how old I was at certain times at night. But yeah, the stricter you are, maybe the more your kids might push those boundaries. I don't know, but that's essentially the message out there. I just wondered if people agreed with that. 309-340-4464, 309-340-4464. I know uh, kids today uh, just go out less often than kids before did. So I don't know if the, the curfew stuff is the same or if it's restrictions on like video game stuff. I don't know. But I, I'd love if parents uh, weighed in on that, if uh, being strict caused your kids to be bad. Uh, because I thought my mom was was... Um, well, and I was three out of four kids. So whatever strictness might have existed by the by the first kids, um, it, it lowered by the time we got to me and my little brother. So maybe that actually made us, I don't know, better, well, less well-behaved. I'm sure my sisters would say they were better behaved. I'm sure my mom would say that too. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I would love uh, your reaction to it. All right, let me transition to something more serious. I saw this the other day, and I don't necessarily want to tell you that, I, that I'm anti it or that I hate it or I want to crap on it. Uh, $26 million uh, will be spent or thereabouts, according to city manager uh, Patrick Urich, for a renovation of the riverfront, uh, which is around where uh, this radio station I'm broadcasting from is, is located. It's, it's not on the riverfront, but we're, we're close by. And a lot of places, a lot of cities, a lot of states are doing something similar. They're investing a lot of money in downtown area. I think Indianapolis is contemplating doing a lot of things there. Um, and so the, the amount of money, the amount of spending uh, for, for government spending, and I think even the $15 million of state funding uh, that was promised for this project that I, I think um, you know state reps are going to try to get to add to the, to the bucket, and then the rest of the funding is supposed to somehow be from private funding, the other um, you know, $10 million, $11 million, whatever the thereabouts wind up being. But I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to the show that wonder if we need this, if this is the right use of money to update the riverfront. And as I read through the whole plan and I read through a lot of what was discussed or promised so far, uh, there are things that seem like the intention of them is to attract more people uh, back to downtown. And so I think that this can be good or it can be bad. I think it can go either way. And it really just matters on whether or not it works. If you have state-of-the-art things or have, you know, improvements that are vastly different than what we have now. And I saw there's even the hopes for a new Spirit of Peoria or a new riverboat. Spirit of Peoria Max, man, uh, the idea I had a while ago feels like it's getting off the ground. Me and just a, a two-person, a two-seater, a rowboat of some kind, taking you out one person at a time. That could work, people, if we have $26 million, I'm not going to charge that much uh, for my part of it. They're going to renovate the clock tower. They're going to add a new water feature. Uh, an art sound garden is to be built. There's a bunch of things that are on this plan. But but to be honest, again, and I'm not trying to be totally against this, but when you're talking about spending and you're talking about that much spending, $26 million, I'm sure there's a lot of other um, uh, people who feel like there's a lot of other ways that money could be spent on things that are not renovating uh, the downtown riverfront. And when it is hopping, when it is going, especially like Red, White & Boom, for example, our event, it is a really fun place to be. Uh, but it's not something that's hopping all that often. It's not something that's taking off and you're seeing like a, a mass amount of people down there. So really, I think the question again becomes, do you, uh, the listeners, the people who live in our community, want to spend more time downtown on the riverfront uh, doing certain things that might start to open up and be available there uh, if they renovate, if they change it? Is what's keeping you out of downtown 
because not as many people go to downtown as used to. And that's not just here. Again, that's true of a lot of downtowns in a lot of parts of the, the country. Uh, but is the thing that's keeping you from downtown the the current state of it? Or is there some other reason uh, why uh, people don't? I know the, the Civic Center brings in a whole lot of people uh, to the downtown area whenever they have a big, giant show, and it helps all the businesses down here. And I'm sure a bunch of the businesses located in, in this area would love to see these renovations. And again, I'm not trying to be anti it, even though I'll be accused of being it. I'm just simply asking the question, uh, 309-340-4464. I'd love your answers. 309-340-4464. Is $26 million too much to renovate the downtown part of our of our um, uh, city of, the, of Peoria, specifically the riverfront portion of it anyway? Is that too much? And are some of the planned things uh, like the... The barge park, kayak launch, adult fitness area, sports courts, dog park are all those things as necessary as they sound like they are uh, to our, our um, city council. Uh, by the way, the city council passed this unanimously. So there was no debate, no real uh, pushback on any of it. The 26 million budget. Uh, all I'm pretty much the only person throwing the question out there. And again, not with the intention uh, that some might hear it as being, but also not shy uh, to wonder if you think that it's bad use of money. Uh, let me know, 309-340-4464. Quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Fourteen seventy, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I asked you a question to end the show today. And thank you to those who are texting in or sending me uh, messages on Facebook, uh, facebook.com uh, slash Craig Collins Show. If you want to go that road with uh, reaching out to me, the text message, 309-340-4464, 309-340-4464. Uh, some of the texts I got about whether or not we should, uh, we being the city of Peoria, spend $26 million to renovate the riverfront. I really like this text. It's not too much money. Uh, is what this person says. It's just that the societal culture has changed in general uh, since any of the days when, say, the riverfront or downtown was a much more bustling area. I'm adding some words uh, to uh, our community or a lot of communities. Uh, this person then goes on to say, I feel that technology has affected the way in which humans connect or interact. And I totally agree. I think that's true, uh, which means that the amount that would be gained uh, by our community, by our, our area, uh, by renovating a you know significant portion of the riverfront might not be what we think it is if human nature takes over and people don't come down in the droves you'd hope for and expect when you're spending $26 million on something like that. And then I love another text I got from a listener that said, I would rather not pay for the rainwater that falls on my house and use that money for that reason uh, than to update the riverfront. I'm not sure that all things uh, work the same way, uh, but I very much enjoyed that one. Another texter said that Peoria has been making bad financial decisions for a long time, uh, has also uh, the state of Illinois. Uh, so they f obviously feel that this is a bad decision. And then finally, on my Facebook page on social media, facebook.com slash Craig Collins show, a listener that said they didn't want their name out there, said that even though it sounds like a lot of money and a lot of people will not support uh, this amount of money, updating the riverfront as much as they're saying they, they uh, would would attract this person uh, back to downtown. So I think that that's a big part of it, too. And I know the other big goal out there, I'll just say this about this topic, is to attract people that don't live 
in our central Illinois surrounding area to come live here. And so having something that feels more significant in the world of a riverfront. Uh, you know what? Actually, let me say it this way, because um, I'm not from Peoria. Anyone who listens to the show and doesn't know, I, I've only lived here for a couple of years uh, doing this show. And then I lived here for a year and a half or so. Uh, producing for Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins before I moved to Bloomington for a bit. Now I'm back. Um, so I, I don't have the appreciation that some might have uh, for the history of uh, the, the city and the surrounding area. But I will say one of the cooler things to me about living in Peoria compared to most of Illinois is that drive up and the the buildings. Uh, not that it looks like Chicago. I lived in Chicago a long time, and obviously those buildings, major city, one of the biggest in the country, is is just um, you know unique. But the the buildings as you drive into Peoria makes it feel like a very significant city. Um, and anything you do to continue to enhance the 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 visual components, uh, the selling points, I think do attract people uh, to live here. I think people do. Um, like that. So if it if it is successful in that road, uh, then I guess twenty six million dollars, however crazy it sounds to say numbers like that, uh, might actually make sense. Uh, and that's what to this one listener's point is. That, yeah, if you renovate things, if you make things feel updated and new, and you feel like you get to the forefront of something, I know Peoria is actually much better at that uh, than some give us credit for, or the surrounding area, all of Central Illinois area for being uh, being something, being a a place that is you know ahead. Uh, even just the medical community here is is significantly um, advanced compared to, I think, the medical community in a lot of uh, uh, cities um, that are not, you know, the giant biggest ones in the country. So, again, like jumping ahead, um, doing those things that make you feel like you're in um, a different um, competitive um, place than maybe you, you feel like you'd be in if you're not paying attention uh, is something that I think that this community and the surrounding area sort of prides itself on. And it sounds like some of those updates might actually uh, achieve that. But I don't know. Uh, 26 million does sound like a lot of money, if I'm being totally honest. And I wouldn't hate not having to pay for the rainwater that falls in my house, like that one listener said uh, via their text as well. Uh, a couple other quick things before I get out of here. A cashier blasted uh, an entitled customer. Uh, who came into a store late at night and said, why do you only have one cashier? Why are you only running one lane? There's a big giant line. We're not going to get out of here. Uh, this happened at some supermarket somewhere, and somebody went viral online. You know what? I, I, I would normally agree with the worker, uh, but I do not totally understand at the very end of any sort of um, you know, store um, hours, why you don't load up the cash. I don't get that either. Not that I would complain like this guy about it, because if you want everybody out the door when it closes and not, you know, for the next half an hour, you'd think everybody would stop whatever they're doing of people that are working. And I know a lot of places are short staffed and just everybody do the register for that last 15, 20 minutes. But maybe you don't want to encourage a lot of people to show up late at night. Maybe that's what it is. If it starts going super fast at the last 20 minutes at a store, uh, maybe all of a sudden everybody, I don't know. But I did think it was funny that someone complained and said, why not? And my answer is, I don't know. I can't totally figure out why you don't um, load up the people at the end of the night uh, so that you get everyone, as I said, out uh, right at the time. Nobody closes when they say they close. Uh, they lock the doors and nobody else is allowed to come in. Uh, but usually you're there for a while if you're there at the end of the night. And maybe don't shop then, too, I guess is a solution. And then one last thing, and this is um, a bit humorous to me, although I'm sure uh, people might have other feelings about it. Kanye West apparently has said that he's looking to, to reinvent himself and make a career comeback after all the stuff that he said and did uh, that made him someone that a lot of people didn't really want to be around. And it'll just be interesting to see uh, what that is. 
if it's another presidential run of some kind, I don't know. Will Kanye run for president in 2024? Probably not. Uh, but I'm sure someone's pitching him that idea. Uh, will he make new fashion designs, new music, all this stuff? Uh, those are the things, those are the questions out there for the 46-year-old rapper uh, who for a while uh, courted a lot of controversy with a lot of anti-Semitic uh, statements. Um, and I know people, and I, I'm among them, uh, say that I, I don't support cancel culture, don't support any of those things. Uh, but if you burn bridges yourself uh, that make people stop buying your products, uh, it feels like that's different. Uh, than what maybe some people say is is not good about our society. Uh, but anyway, he's going to try to to come back somehow and say that all that stuff he said was maybe stuff he doesn't mean anymore. I don't know. We'll we'll see if Kanye West can reinvent himself. All right, it's an AM and FM. We're all over the internet. WMBDRadio.com.